you our projections on what we think the rotation is going to look like. And then Doug, he launches a new segment. Take that for data Tuesday, all today on Locked on Hornets. We're locked on Hornets, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cause we live. We live. We live. <laughs> It's Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Thanks for making us your first listen. We are free. We are available anywhere you get your podcast. And that does include YouTube. There's the solo man from yesterday helping me out. Well, because I wasn't living in the 21st century. I was without power. I couldn't hook up. That was my excuse, and I'm sticking with it. That's Doug Branson. You can find his Substack stack, everyhornetsboxscore.com. You're getting a little froggy with your Substack these days, Doug. Now is the time for people to subscribe because you are exploring. You're exploring using AI. And no, I'm not talking about Allen Iverson. You're doing all sorts of cool stuff over there. Uh, that's right. By the way, that sound effect that I just did there was the power down sound effect. Okay. That was your power going out. All right. Yeah, that's right. We can do that when somebody gets cold on the basketball court. next. I'm year. ready for the silly season to begin. I know people want us to still talk about the news of the day, and I understand, and we will, okay? We will. But, you know, we've got a lot to do that's outside of that as well. We've got some stuff that we got to finish up from last offseason, who wore it best, which Hornets player uh, deserves sort of the trophy for each jersey number. Uh, we've got your top 35 that we've that. got to get to. I want to use more sound effects on this show. I mean, we need EC's laugh back on the show. <laughs> There's just, there are things that we've dropped because <laughs> a lot has happened around this franchise. Now, mm -hmm. the national media is not picking up on it because they don't care about the Charlotte Hornets, but we do and the fans do. And, you know, there have there's been a lot to talk about, and, and a lot of it's been serious. And so I really am embracing this silly season. I want to get this show back to, to where it used to be, which was the, we were the fun show, and we, and we still are, but I want to get back there. All right. Uh, did, you came up all, all with this yesterday. I was gone for one day, and this is what <laughs> you just are changing the entire landscape again. It's true. Right. You took a day. You took a day off. You took a trip. I went up to the attic, and I got all the clown stuff down from the attic. And mm -hmm. I'm just I've got it all on the floor. And you come back into the house, and I'm like, Let's go! I'm ready to party. Right. Yeah. You lose power one day, and now the whole landscape has changed. Now I got to do this 35 top Hornets list. To be fair, we've already talked about it. Um, I, the real question is, do I find a way to fit Matt Geiger on the list again? That's the real question. Find out in silly season. You got it's five slots. You got five slots. <laughs> um, I'm Walker Mail. Catch me WFNZ every weekday from 12 to 3. Let's get to the roster projection here. Not even roster projection, but the guys that are actually going to be playing here, Doug, because I know we did this, I think, even before free agency started. You came up with your graphic. You were doing the smart Doug Branson thing, and now you're doing it again, coming up with a new graphic that you have with your rotation projection. What do you have as far as the guys yeah, that are going to be the most? Yeah, be getting get the most. There we go. Boom. Yep, there you go. Okay. <laughs> I don't know if you're going to take a step back there. Rotation projection. There you go, uh, Doug. What do you have for us? Because I'm already seeing JT Thor in the starting lineup, and that seems questionable to me. Well, calm down, because <laughs> let me explain. this. What you're seeing on the screen right now, and what I'll explain to those that are listening, is a, is a regular season opener projection with P.J. Washington not being signed yet, so he's out. Teo Maladone, not signed yet. He's still on that uh, restricted free agent qualifying offer, so he's out. 
I don't have Miles Bridges in this calculation either because he will be suspended. This is the regular season opener with all three of those players not available. So that means that at the power forward position, all of a sudden they get pretty thin along with the backup point guard position. So I have LaMelo Ball, Terry Rozier, Gordon Hayward, JT Thor, and then Mark Williams. Now put Thor as the starter because, you know, Steve Clifford was praising him a lot at the end of last season, giving him a lot of kudos for playing hurt and getting better. So if he comes back, if he's stronger, you know, maybe, you know, again, if all of these blo other blocks don't fall into place, which they probably will, this is just what I have for you. And Kai Jones is backing him up. So all the Kai heads, you know, rejoice. If this, if this is how it all shakes out, you know, you get a backup power forward position. Okay. So I so you're only you're only partly kidding with JT Thor. You're you're thinking, all right, and plus, so like the first 10 games, they're not gonna have Miles Bridges, as you mentioned, right? But he's on the roster. You don't have PJ, as you mentioned. If you go with zero Terry Rogier in the lineup, that would be surprising to me. And I know it would be small, Doug. I know it would be small, but Terry Rogier, oh, I know he's in the starting lineup. I see him in the reserves as well. But also, yeah, he's, not your reserve, having... he's your reserve back. He's your backup point guard again, because again, right. you go into a season where you know you might have to depend on uh, Nick Smith Jr., which we saw what those results were in summer league. It wasn't good. He was turning mm -hmm. basketball over a lot. He is a shooting guard. He is not a mm -hmm. point guard. And then you've got Cody Martin as your sort of uh oh. I've got this broken up into starters, reserves. Yeah. Uh oh, <laughs> that's your third yeah. string, and then, and then swarm. swarm. And I've got Bailey, mm -hmm. Book Knight, and Black, the three Bs over in the swarm. Yeah, I, I so really this is a conversation at least at the very beginning of next season in how they're going to play the first 10 games because I think you would put Miles Bridges in the starting lineup instead of JT Thor once he's available, right? Well, yes, and P.J. Washington too if they get him signed and Taylor sure. Maladone factors in. So lucky for you, I also have something. We can switch this now to the regular season projected lineups uh, with all of those pieces in place. And this is mine, and you can debate me here, and we can maybe move some stuff around. But I have LaMelo Ball, Terry Rozier, Gordon Hayward, Miles Bridges, and Mark Williams as your starters. Yeah. Your reserves are going to be – I have a placeholder for free agent point guard. I talked about that on yesterday's show. Uh, could be DeLon Wright. Could be uh, Edmund Sumner. Uh, could be John Wall. Who knows? Uh, Cody Martin is your backup wing. Brandon Miller, your other backup wing. Uh, getting, I, I give Miller 24 minutes in this scenario. P.J. Washington, your backup big, is uh, 25 minutes. And Nick Richards, your other backup big, at 15 minutes. And then that's your 10-man lineup. I didn't really go into the uh-oh zone, but the uh-oh zone is Teo Maladone, Nick Smith Jr., Bryce McGowan's, J.T. Thor, Kai Jones. Those are your deep reserves. And then in the swarm, I've still got the three Bs, Amari, Bla Amari Bailey, James Book Knight, Leaky Black. Well, and, and no, like, so the Thor conversation is actually way more interesting than I thought originally, because you are right. The power forward position, it's bleak, especially with no PJ Washington and Miles Bridges is not going to start the first 10 games because he's ineligible to. So now the real question is, does Brandon Miller actually please Hornets fans by starting? Does Steve Clifford please Hornets fans by putting him in the starting lineup? And even if we don't think Brandon should play four, do you flirt with Gordon Hayward at the four? Or is it just no yeah. way JT Thor starting? And then we might not give him 30 minutes. We might not get him what you think of, of the starters minutes, but he's going to be at least in there the first 
the first little period of rotation before you get somebody off of the bench. Yeah, that is fascinating. Um, and and so here, the only thing I looking at the minute minutes being divvied up. So Lamelo and Terry, they led the team in minutes played last season. Mm-hmm. Gordon at twenty five makes sense because you well, know reducing he, we, the reducing those minutes. Right. Now I should say what you're seeing right now is sort of my idea of the rotation through like the first half of the season, not really opening day, but you know how things are going to generally shake out as we move into the season. Now all of this gets we change. I'm going to change this as we as realities open up as we get into training camp, and really this all changes if if the Hornets suddenly pivot towards hey we might be a playoff team here you know a lot of this changes as well I think but right this to me I'm comfortable with this as the sort of general starting lineup reserve situation uh at the beginning of the season yeah me too um the only thing I I would experiment with is Miles at the three PJ at the four Gordon off of the bench if Gordon and PJ are playing the same minutes then that might not matter as much but defensively even with Gordon having a pretty good uh, defensive box score team defense-wise. Maybe P.J. starts at the four, Miles goes up at the three, so you can get him downhill a little bit more. But I, I have no real problems with this. The, the minutes being divvied up, that's what I wanted to share my thoughts on. So P.J. Washington played the third most amount of minutes last year at 33 per game. Miles is going to come back. He's going to eat into some of that. But also, Kelly Oubre accounted for 33 minutes per game last year. Mm-hmm. So... Who's going to eat into that? Brandon Miller's going to eat into some, you would think. Cody Martin, um, yeah. So uh, the, to me, that's combo. Cody Martin, Brandon Miller is your yep. Kelly Oubre. And Kelly Oubre, in a normal situation last season, would not have played 33 minutes. Because we saw that two years ago, it was Cody Martin and Kelly Oubre as a split six-man, really splitting up this, your six-man minutes. And I think Brandon Miller ultimately becomes your six-man wing off the bench in his first year and gets the majority of those six man minutes with Cody Martin being sort of a utility defensive wing. Um, my next question is you have Brandon Miller eating into the Gordon Hayward minutes at 32 Gordon played last year. And now he's playing 25 in this projection. Miles is eating into a lot of PJ. My question is you don't have anybody eating into Terry Rozier's minutes. He played 35 minutes a game last year, 35.3 to be exact. He led the team, and he's playing 35 in Doug Branson's projection right alongside LaMelo. I do wonder with Terry Rozier being a part of the trade conversation and us talking about Brandon Miller having size and length in the backcourt, if Miller eats into some of Terry's minutes and he actually doesn't play 35 next season. What did you? Uh, what was your thought process with Terry? Yeah, I mean, maybe, but I've just heard nothing from this team that would indicate that. So if 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 that changes, I'm I'm willing to, you know, make some moves here as we get into camp. If there's some hints that maybe Terry Rozier's role will be reduced, but you know, everything I've heard from Mitch Kupchak and Steve Clifford uh has been on how important Terry Rozier is to this team. How you you look, you can feel however you want to feel about that. If you want to feel like, well, you know, he he just takes too much of an offensive role and look what the offense was without LaMelo Ball and with Terry Rozier leading it and look how much money he makes. You can have qualms with all of that. But I'm just telling you that this team, as it's currently constructed, feels like Terry Rozier is a super important piece to what they're trying to do. And so my minutes projection here is going to reflect that. No, no. And and 
And I wonder, I mean, we heard that a lot last year with Terry. I, I wonder just with the calculus being changed with Miles coming back, no Kelly, with Brandon Miller on the roster, how much that happens. But I don't even, I'm not even saying I disagree with any of this. I, I just, those are the questions, right? I would imagine when you're thinking about attaching a number to somebody, those would be the questions you have. Brandon Miller, backcourt minutes. Gordon Hayward, minutes reduction. Miles Bridges eating into the starting lineup. Mark Williams, I mean, he was listed overall last year at under 20 minutes per game, but then Mason gets traded, and before he got injured, it was 25. At the very end of the season, when he came back from injury, he was actually at 29. So Mark, anywhere between 25 and 30, I think was within the realm of possibility. And Nick Richards, he had 19 minutes per game last season. Yeah, I could see that going down. And uh, I mean, we even have the Najee factor. Is he going to play any part whatsoever? Still don't have any news on him. And Kai Jones. Oh, I do have. I'm sorry. I do. I'm not zoomed out enough. I do have. So I've got starters, reserve, uh oh, swarm. And then to the very far right, I have Spain. He's, he's in <laughs> I've got James tier. Najee in oh, Spain. All right. Um, so the, 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 the question marks that I think are, are biggest on this are. Uh, Mark Williams, does he get more minutes? I think that's very possible that you see Nick Richards, despite the contract extension, his role get even more reduced uh, and then find ways to get P.J. Washington minutes at the center position and go kind of the small lineup. The other question mark is Miles Bridges. Now, I have him slotted as a starter based on evidence from two years ago. We don't know what he is right now. He says he's, you know, he stayed in the gym. We've seen the videos. But is he going to be the same player? He's missed an entire year of basketball. When guys do that with injury, you know, sometimes they struggle to get back into the groove. So we'll have to see. That could be a big question mark. If all of a sudden he's not the same player, then you've got to shift, maybe shift him back into the reserve role and, and shake this thing up a little bit. But that's, you know, this is what it is right now. What I think right now, it could change. Yeah. Um, right. No, it, it's kind of tough to try to figure out, especially with guys being familiar with the team, but having not been there for a year guys in limbo the hornets are the biggest limbo team right now oh. with kelly Oubre and pj washington still being probably the best available free agents on the market and we still don't have a deal done with them teo maladon i mean we can't even get <clears throat> somebody that came in on a two-way contract we can't even get any clarity on what's going to go on with him so hopefully it'll all work out soon all right let's talk a little bit more about this and some other stuff coming up next on the lockdown hornets podcast don't go to sleep on the hornets just i did yet. want to talk to you about FanDuel before we get to take that for data tuesday where doug has some interesting stats on Lamelo. FanDuel's great you can take your first swing at betting on the mlb on FanDuel, and you can get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets up to 200 dollars worth that's right just bet 20 bucks and you'll land 200 dollars in bonus bets win or lose that's 200 dollars you can spend betting everything from the money line to the over under to who you think is going to hit the first home run all on an app that's safe secure and super easy to use plus when you win you can get paid instantly there's no better place to bet on major league baseball than FanDuel America's number one sports book you can sign up today visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get $200 in bonus bets that's FanDuel.com slash locked on FanDuel the official partner of major league baseball more locked on Hornets coming up next this is Locked on Hornets. If you're asking me, did they make the right pick to find a rookie of the year? Probably not. But did they make the right pick long term? I think I think they might have. All right. Well, oh, no, 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 no. That is that is weak. That dismount, you buckled. You look like Rick Ross jumping off a diving board. <laughs> that was a, I think they might have after being 
Oh, I gotta yeah. get my, you know, you look, I gotta give myself room to wiggle, baby. You gotta, right, you gotta, gotta have room to wiggle. Okay. You gotta get the wiggle room. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. All right, Doug, I have one more question to lead in with here. Okay. Do you think there's any way, you know, LaMelo played the second most amount of minutes, but he was in and out of the lineup due to injury, 35.2 minutes per game, 35.3 for Terry Rozier, as we mentioned. Could we see him get an uptick? Do we see, because he matters so much to the offense, I know that we have, you know, some of the defensive questions there. But because he matters so much to the offense, even if you're getting some help back, maybe that actually all balances out. Do we go into, I mean, big time star mode, just don't really take him off of the court ever type of role with LaMelo? How much did you ponder that when making this uh, projection? Well, certainly if they're in contention. Mm-hmm. I mean, absolutely. Yeah, to me, the numbers that I showed you, the 35 and 35 for, for he and Rozier, are just you're sort of slogging through December, January numbers. I mean, yeah, if they get into February and March and they've got a record such that they're in contention for a play-in, th- this is how Steve Clifford typically operates. It's going to be 10, 11-man rotation at the beginning of the season, and then he slowly whittles it down to a nine-man rotation. And then in the playoffs in 16, you know, I think there were some games where it was all the way down to an eight-man rotation, sort of, you know, 90s style. So absolutely, I, I, you know, th- but I, to me, that's something that you really do if you're in the running for things. Um, o- otherwise, then then I think it's would be pointless to run him into the ground. He's the, because Steve Clifford is not operated uh, like a Tibbs, for example. Mm-hmm. You know, he's just never he's never done that. He has been pretty disciplined on rotations and not playing. Now, you know, he played Kimball Walker significant minutes, though, when the team was in contention. So I absolutely could see it. Well, and and just to be fair, there's not much room to grow considering who led the league in minutes played per game last year. Pascal Siakam was the league leader, 71 games played 37.4 minutes per game. Like even guys like SGA was towards the top at 35 and a half. So maybe there's not even any room to grow for LaMelo, but so he might even already be there. Can you get up? a couple of minutes per game. I think that actually is somewhat of a big increase. And so we'll see if that happens. And if that it, is the case, then he'll be like top, what, 15 potentially. That could very well happen. Well, and some of that has to do, you know, in terms of when you're talking about average for a season, some of that has to do with LaMelo Ball staying on the floor and not getting yeah, into no, foul does. trouble. That was a big issue for him. He fouled out of six yeah. games. He only played 36. He fouled out point. of six games. So, you know, and, and foul trouble early it's 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 less him getting into foul trouble late. It's more of him getting like three or four fouls in the first half. That's gonna that's gonna limit your minutes because a coach is gonna want to protect you in order to have you available in the fourth quarter when you're when you're most needed. So a lot of that's gonna be on Lamelo too. No, that's a good point. I mean, yeah, it's a great point. Like think about where he could be if you wonder if he would be in that top fifteen range. Now this probably has a filter on it. I'm using StatMuse. And everybody that is listed, you played at least 58 games is the lowest number I can see. But if he did, then he would still be, you know, he'd be in the top 30. But maybe if he didn't get in foul trouble, he could be even further up than that. That's some great analysis from you, Doug, on LaMelo Ball. Do you have any more analysis on LaMelo Ball when you were searching for some data? 
Well, listen, now is the time, right? We're past summer league. Now is the time to really dig into the numbers from last season. And last season was weird, but I, st- I still think there's some context that we can derive. There's some information that we can get out of last season stats. And so I, with the help of our uh, you know future robot overlords, chat GPT, we're really digging into the stats here and trying to figure out what we can figure out for next season. And so I decided to go ahead and do this in a segment. I'm And I, I think we should put it on a Tuesday and call it Take That for Data Tuesday. Take that for data. And there you go. Love I got it. my sound effect on there. So, Thanks, and, and I don't know. Maybe we shorten it. I don't know if Take That for Data Tuesday is a mouthful. Maybe we go, you know, T-A-T-A Tuesday, uh, uh, Tata Tuesday, Tata Tuesday. I don't know. You know, we got to figure mm, it out. Tata Tuesday doesn't sound great, to be honest with you. Um, but, you know, if you want to explore that, go ahead. All right, so this is what I have for you this week. LaMelo Ball's stats when he's driving versus guards who played 35 or more games last season. So those are your filters. I wanted to see what LaMelo Ball, because I think we kind of know what LaMelo Ball did when he drove the basketball and what he could improve upon, but I wanted to dig into the stats and find out how he did against other guards in the league who played 35 or more games last season. And so here it is. The number of drives per game, 14.7, was in the 94th percentile among guards in the NBA. So he drove the basketball a lot. And if you look at his sort of profile, he is a player that operates in that pick-and-roll ball handler type of play Mm -hmm. a lot. He's not – as much as we talk about how much he could play off ball, (laughs) he just – he doesn't do it a lot. Like, he is on the ball a ton. But here's the problem, Walker. And I want to see if this if this checks with you. His drive field goal percentage is forty point nine percent. That yeah. ranks him in the fifteenth percentile, well below average in terms of his field goal percentage on drives. Does that check with your eye test? Oh, I think it checks with both of us. I mean, that's the thing that we've talked about with him needing to improve on the most. It's probably the easiest thing for any Hornet fan to point to with Lamelo and say that's the next part offensively for his game to improve. Once he gets better finishing at the rim, once he gets better finishing at drives, then his game will go to a completely different level because I did see an interesting conversation with the first number you brought up 94th percentile on drive. So he's attempting it. He's trying to drive and he's succeeding Mm -hmm. at least at getting to the basket. Don't know how much separation is there, but Mm -hmm. he's getting there. Right? So when we talk about the attempts, I was looking at, I I forget, I apologize to whoever was talking about this on Twitter, but the difference between rim pressure and, you know, field goal percentage at the rim, like they're not the same thing. And yet we kind of lump them together. If you Mm -hmm. don't shoot well, then you don't provide rim pressure. When actually the definitions are a little different. I think they're a little nuanced and that rim pressure is probably a little more dangerous to the opposition. If you finish better at the rim, But we also know LaMelo is a generational passer that can kick out anywhere from baseline and he's tall Mm -hmm. enough to still see over Mm -hmm. the trees down low. So he still is an effective player when he drives, Doug. He's just, this is the thing. He's still an effective player when he drives. But man, could you get to an average level? I mean, Doug, even in the 40th percentile, let's go a tick below average rather than being one of the worst guards to finish um, close to the rim. I mean, that even that even going up what 25 30 percentage points it just does wonders to his game 
Well, I've got some stats to back up what you just said because he he does make an impact at the rim despite that field goal percentage being low. So his points percentage on drive, so the the percentage of his points derived, just his points derived from drives, is only 43.4% of his offense. So that's 28th percentile because he's getting a lot of his offense you know, maybe just a little bit outside of that rim area, but also is spot up three point shooting. Well, this is it's, shot making you're talking about, right? Just right. for LaMelo. Right. So that, you know, he's going to make an impact offensively just from scoring, even though he's his field goal percentage is low at the rim. That helps his effective field goal percentage, by the way, too, because he's shooting threes. He's those spot up threes. He's shooting them so well. But his pass percentage from drives is 44.7%. That's 61st percentile. So he's above average in terms of the number of passes he makes when he drives among guards in the NBA. And his assist percentage is 12.5%, which is 76th percentile. So well above average. That's incredible, too, when you consider some of the teammates that he was playing with last season and their ability to knock down shots. The fact that he could open up so many assists for his teammates uh, was pretty incredible. Uh, pretty average in terms of turning the ball over, not really below average, just kind of right there at 48th percentile. But here's the big here's the big number and what we're going to be talking about a lot with him. We talked about it a lot last offseason, didn't really get enough of a sample size to make a determination. But the personal foul percentage on the drives, 4.7%, that's 29th percentile. So well below average of among guards in the NBA at drawing personal fouls. If he can do that... It's. I think it will increase his field goal percentage because so many of those uh, uh, rim misses will turn into personal foul opportunities to make free throws. It's going to increase his scoring. It will take him into all NBA territory. Yeah, I mean, the, I, honestly, Doug, I don't know if you. I, that seems um, higher than I thought it would. To be honest, to to have the ball that much in your hands, to drive that much. Maybe that's the reason it's because the drives are there. So efficiency wise, it's not like he's doing it, but you know, the, the total amount of drives going, you know, it's in the 95th percentile. So now that you're in the 30th, anyway, I don't want to overload people with numbers, but there you go. It, it, it it makes sense. I guess a little bit more once you start to think about it. Yeah. And I think at 29th percentile, I think that means sort of that there are about 30 or 30 ish players that were worse than him. Yeah, because I think the sample size is around 180. So, okay. So there you go. That are the no, number of yeah, players, the number of players that you're dealing with in terms of guards who played 35 or more games last season. And there's no there's no minutes uh, filter on there, so that could affect things. But 29th percentile, not very good. He's get, he has to improve that if he wants to improve his points per game, which I think he has to improve if he wants to be considered. Uh, not for another all-star bid. He could he could do his exact same thing that he did when he got his first all-star bid and probably mm-hmm. get another one because he's such a good playmaker. But I think that to get into that all-NBA conversation, got to get fouled more. If you look at the guys that are at the top of that list in terms of drive uh, um, uh, personal foul percentage, it's Shea Gilgis, it's Luca. I mean, it's just guys that are like, yep, that's an all-NBA player. It's just It's mm-hmm. just obvious. Yeah, I mean, and, and even across the board, right? Like you see a lot of the All-NBA guys do get fouled a lot. And so, and, and those you know, we'll guys, if you look at the data, there are guys in that conversation that aren't even that great at spot-up shooting. Like Jason Tatum, his like spot-up effective field goal percentage is not great. Like, I mean, it's good, but it's not great. So imagine LaMelo, who is great at spot-up shooting, adding a little bit of that uh, you know, drive getting fouled to his game. You know, we're talking, we're talking something special like that. Cause that's where we're, you know, 
we're not th- these critiques. I think people listen to our show sometimes and are like, you guys are hard on LaMelo. Like, look at all he's doing for the team. But, but it's yeah. we're talking about what does he has to have to do to go from very, very good to great? Because that's the margin that he's trying to navigate at this point. Well, and, I mean, anybody that says that isn't like, you know, I mean, they don't they don't care. <laughs> I mean, that's no, I'm not, yeah. I don't want to lump everyone. I think people, you know, people I'm not just talking about LaMelo ball stands. I think people who watch the games and they watch LaMelo and they see this guy going 100 miles an hour and doing everything for this team. And, and they, they know the assist numbers. They know the assist percentage numbers. They know he's like an elite playmaker. And they go, like, what are you guys talking about? And it's like what we're talking about is those little mm-hmm. tiny marginal things that, that you have to achieve in order to go from all-star to all-NBA. You know, there are only 15 guys in the all-NBA well, conversation. How do you get to that 15? That's what we're talking about here. Yeah, I guess my point was I, I don't – yeah, I don't hear much criticism on, on how hard we're being on LaMelo really all, all that much except for people that probably don't care to for us to say anything positive about anything. That's what I'm thinking. That, that's, that's my point. But LaMelo the, – the good thing about this is like – I don't want to say it's easy because it's not. It, it it just feels like this is real attainable for LaMelo to mm-hmm. be able to do, you know, like th- this. It seems like this could hit at any moment and you're hoping for it, too. Yeah. And I think that's what does make it exciting. I, no one's going to call it easy. It, it's not. Oh, no. he'll just show up and it'll happen. But it is attainable. And it, it feels like there are, you know, if you if you played his career career out 100 times at this point, then I mean, better than 50, 50 shot that he does improve quite a bit in both of those areas. I mean, I think that's, that's kind of where my thought process is. Totally. It feels like a natural evolution of his game, right? It doesn't feel like something we're not talking about him changing a shot form or get becoming a better shooter. Things that are like really questionable as to whether guys that are in there, you know, coming up on their fourth, fifth, sixth years could actually fix at this point we're not talking about any of those things i think a lot of what we're talking about are sort of maturity things in terms of the not getting the not piling up the fouls and then little technique things that he that kimba you know kimba was able to do this late into his career that i think part of what took him into all nba was his ability to drive drive to finish instead of drive to get fouled but also you know i think he increased his trips to the line as well so, you know, these are these are the little things that you have to do. I think it's absolutely attainable for LaMelo Ball. I think the bigger question mark for me is is staying healthy. Can he get those ankles strong enough to actually remain on the floor? That, yeah. that to me, is the bigger question. All right, one more segment to go. Coming up next on the Locked on Hornets podcast. <laughs> Don't go to sleep on the Hornets just yet. If you're watching YouTube, you read the tag board. You got to see the last bullet point. And your eyes are not deceiving you. There's a fire emoji, and then it says chickens versus orangutans. That's that's what it says. We'll get to that in just a moment. I don't know. Lockdown Hornets coming up next. All right, Doug, you want to explain yourself here with this last bullet point? <laughs> I don't have to do any explaining. It's Mark <laughs> Williams, the starting center for the Charlotte Hornets, that has some explaining to do. So here's the tweet. Mark Williams did a what he called a light Q&A, uh, asking his, I don't know, Twitter X users now, I guess, uh, to throw him some questions and the Mark Williams sickos delivered in kind Aram here tweeting at Mark Williams saying, would you rather fight a chicken every single time you get into your car or fight an orangutan once a year? You'll never see it coming. 
It can happen at any moment. And you also have a sword as a weapon. Mark Williams decided to answer this question, thankfully. And he says it's a very important question. I'm glad Mark Williams didn't dodge this very important question. Mark Williams saying, I think fighting the chicken because it become part of my routine. Orangutan <laughs> is wild. LOL. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Every single time you get into your car, it, that's look, I think you'd rather fight a chicken too. Now I actually have an opinion on this a lot more than I thought after reading the okay. bullet point, you did send me this tweet and mm -hmm. I thought, I thought Mark Williams gave us a butt tweet because I did not see the quote tweet under it. And so imagine reading without any context, I think fighting the chicken because it become part of my daily routine, orangutan is wild, LOL. I thought that was a total butt tweet, fired from the hip without his knowledge, but now it makes a little bit of sense. So I had chickens growing up. My mom had a rooster. His name was Dante. Dante was evil boy. I mean, Dante was the worst chicken slash rooster of all time. But wow. he liked my mom. Top, can you do? Can you do top top five worst roosters? <laughs> you know, Dante's number one. Yeah, I'll just go ahead and spoil it there. But he did like my mom. My mom put Dante in at the rest of the chickens because if there was another rooster that would come in, Dante would beat them up all to hell. Like killed a couple of the more aggressive chickens out there, Sorry roosters out there, That's trying to mistake. hurt the other chickens. So I, one, I, I would say that Mark made the wrong decision if it is a nasty rooster at the same time. Orangutan strength, I don't know, like they'll just rip car doors off, no problem. I mean, they're they're crazy. So I think chicken is still the way to go. As long as it's not a rooster, I think Mark Williams should be okay. I would like to now make the observation that you have selected the chicken, and I really feel like you fight a chicken every day anyway. I mean, you get onto this show, you get onto your computer and you fight a chicken to make this show a reasonable uh, show every day. So I think you're used to it by now. Uh, well, it's a know. rubber chicken. I mean, you, you said <laughs> Teo is not a rubber chicken. Oh, I, I fight a rubber chicken every day to try to get past this show. Uh, that's absolutely correct. Uh, now, my opinion on this is I'm going to go the opposite way because I think the chicken, mm, if it was dead. once a day, getting into my car once a day, I have to fight a chicken, then fine, I'll fight that chicken. But if I'm like, and, and somebody in the replies brought this up, if, if you forget something in your car, I did this yesterday, I went to the grocery store and I left my phone in the car. So I've already fought a chicken, uh, suppose, I guess, I mean, assumably, assumably, is that a word? I'm assuming you're fighting it to the death, you're killing the chicken or incapacitating it in some way. And now Great, all of a sudden- I, yeah, but well, I mean, if you want to go to all that work, I'm going to the grocery store. I could just get a pack of chicken. Okay. It's easy. But then I forget my phone. I got to get back in the car. All of a sudden, another chicken. And, and I, I assume there's a dead or incapacitated chicken in my passenger seat. Now it's already smelling up the hot car. I don't know if you've seen the temperatures lately. Um, but it's hot out there, smelly car. Now I've got to fight another chicken. There's just a lot going on here. I think an orangutan, it would be like, yeah, it would make you more aware. I think it would make you, I feel like better in crowds because you would constantly be on alert. Yeah. It'd be a little stressful, but I think that would become part of your routine. You could adapt. You could, uh, develop some kind of orangutan armor that you could wear. And you all of a sudden get a sword. If that orangutan shows up. 
So, you know, I, I think you get, you get the orangutan out of the way once a year, and then the, if it comes early in the year, then all of a sudden you've got, you know, seven, eight months of bliss instead of, you know, chicken-killing day every day. Um, the, the problem is orangutans are so peaceful. I mean, if, if this was a gorilla or a not chimpanzee. This one, not this not what, Aram's. What, Aram's orangutan what, is coming for your neck. Yeah, I mean, it, it feels a little murdery because of how human-like they are. So I think that's the problem with me trying to kill an orangutan once a year. That's a lot of bodies that I, I don't I don't want to kill that many orangutans. It feels a little murdery. It's once so a I year. Think, it's once a year, though. Well, yeah, I know. I, I If you plan to live to be any respectable age in your elderly stage, then you're going to rack up, what, 30, well, 40, 50 listen, orangutan deaths? No, thank Listen, you. if an orangutan is attacking you every year, I, I think your life expectancy all of a sudden goes down. <laughs> immediately like that year that time that it decides if you have a sword if you swing and miss bye that was your chance to live but chicken salmonella you know you might you might just get salmonella uh from the chicken unless you so here's the thing too orangutan i went a long time thinking it was orangutan i don't know well just because is it because of the juice? Now that I don't know. I don't know why. But, As maybe my brain mm-hmm. is broken. I don't know. I, this is not an opinion I'm throwing out there, assuming um, that a lot of people are with me on this. Uh, but I just thought for a long time that it was orangutan, and then someone or, or the internet or something informed me that it was orangutan. Well, look, I mean, not to go crazy nerd boy on you, but just to give you a little insight into who I am as a person, mm-hmm. and I think you know this about me. But very, very big time animal nerd I am. Like 100% grew up loving it. You know, I'm the I'm the same dude that has the aquariums in the background when I don't film in this in this room now. So I knew what orangutans were. That's why I'm so sure that I'd fight the chicken, even despite evil roosters in my life. All right, that'll do it for Lockdown Hornets. <laughs> the best segment possibly ever that we've ever done just there. And we appreciate I think we did some important but work today. We did. I think we did too. We told you about Lamello's drive percentage and we I'm told not you why yeah I, i'm not yeah <laughs> we told you why you should fight a chicken or a orangutan That's thanks for okay. making it your first listen make your second listen game to game nba every moment every top performance every result locked on game to game covers every game from across the league with local analysis that only locked on can deliver follow game to game on locked on nba available on youtube and wherever you get your podcast have a great rest of your day stay out of trouble with the animal kingdom and we'll be back with you tomorrow <laughs>